ladies, Lauren and RJ. The Frangie Show starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome in. Guys, along for the ride, along with Hayes Carlion and RJ Saunders. I'm Frank Frangie as we get set for a Friday edition of the program live from Island Wing Company here on the south side. Lauren Brooks is off today. Uh, she'll be back in with us on Monday's program. Ooh, we got a big weekend, Carlion. Got a big one. I mean, yeah. like big football, big Saturday. We don't even have a Monday's program. That's how big That's it is. How we big have, this is. have Monday night football. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be once we get to tomorrow morning. Uh, it is going to be a radical seventy-two hours in terms of the landscape of football uh, here locally, and obviously with uh, with the colleges that we cover. I mean, for Florida State, a chance to cash your ticket to the playoff. For Georgia, a chance to three-peat because if they lose to Alabama that obviously is going to throw it into some flux if they're going to get the opportunity to do that you know Sunday the Jaguars don't play but it's a it's a big you know day in terms of games if Denver is able to beat Houston you know that pushes the Jaguars even closer to a second straight AFC South title Uh, if the Titans can defeat the Colts uh, then that would would benefit the Jaguars as well I think that's a more of a minor threat but uh, but a threat nonetheless. And then Monday night, well, obviously we've got Monday night football here in our city for the first time in over a decade, and it's going to be, I think, a fantastic night for the Jaguars. Yeah, there's no question about it. The, uh, this has got a chance to be a great football weekend. I think the Jags are going to 9-3. and three. We'll talk about that. That's how we kind of generally start the program. I think the Jags are headed to 9-3. and three. I can't imagine. Hayes, I can't imagine the Joe Burrow-less Bengals coming in here and beating the Jags. Now, I may be all wet, and I may, be, I may be way off the mark here. It's an NFL game. NFL games are crazy. The, there's no upsets like in an NFL game. There really aren't. So anything can happen. But I would be really surprised. Wouldn't you be really surprised if that happened? I, I just can't imagine it. It'd be really tough to see. I, and I'll give you the reasons why it could happen. Cincinnati's plus 10. And turnover margin, that's, uh, that's, that's very good. That's elite. So, uh, and how they're doing that is they're not giving the ball away. Now, obviously, Browning is a new quarterback, and, and we'll see how he fares. But as a unit, offensively, Cincinnati has confidence that they're going to protect the ball. Uh, it is a new quarterback, so we'll see if that changes. But any team that's plus 10 going up against a team that's plus 2, like the Jaguars are, uh, there, there's your chance. The Jaguars have had a penchant for giving the ball away. Cincinnati has, has done a good job of, of not giving it away themselves. The Jaguars are the better takeaway team. But, uh, but anyway, that's, that's how Cincinnati's going to win the game. They're going to have to be plus two to have a chance to beat the Jaguars here Monday night. So it starts there. But the individual matchups, I mean, really other than Jamar Chase killing you, I think everything else really favors the Jaguars. I wouldn't expect Joe Mixon to do much. Uh, Cincinnati's last in the league in rushing. Um, and Mixon's still a good player, but he's all they've got. Right, and he's struggling. He's been criticized some this yeah, year. Yeah, so, I mean, I, Given I, everything. I would think the Jaguars being fourth against the run, you know, that's going to put Browning in some bad situations. And defensively, Cincinnati's worse than what I anticipated them being. Uh, they're really struggling. They're last in yards per play allowed. <clears throat> So hopefully the Jaguars can have that surge early in the game that we've seen them have. And if they get up double digits early and it becomes Browning having to lead Cincinnati back, I think that's a recipe for a big Jaguars win. Yeah, so we'll talk a lot about that coming up uh, later on in the program. The news of the day or the potential news of the day that affects people around here, I suppose, 
Tate Rodemaker might not play in the game. Tate Rodemaker, who got hit late in the Florida game, it was a, they got called for a late hit and targeting. It was a weird play. He was racing for a first down. He slid. Two players hit him. In today's climate, you need to know how to pull up, even though he's sliding. Yet it was a weird play. Racing for a first down. It, it was a. It was a. It was a race to the finish line. He slid again. By the way, in today's football, it should be, it should have been personal foul and targeting. That's the way the rules are called. I don't think they got it wrong by any stretch. There were three or four flags came flying out, but it was just a bizarre play. He came back in the game, and after Brock Glenn came in for a little bit, but now because of that injury, might not play in the game. What I mean, they're already without Jordan Travis. I can only imagine how difficult that game would be if you have to play a guy who now really hasn't played in a football game in Brooklyn. It is an incredible challenge for Mike Norvell if that's, in fact, how this thing goes. And, and the Rodemaker injury is a surprise for me because not only did he return to the game, he then did post-game media and seemed fine. He got up there with Trey Benson. Uh, that's sort of how FSU, I, I guess, does it because uh, Verse was up there with uh, um, one of his teammates. And, uh, and so in looking at it, uh, you know, Tate seemed fine and, and talking and answering questions with the media. But as we know with, you know, brain injuries, sometimes it's that next day That's right. that the symptoms really start to become apparent. And uh, so, I mean, it's unfortunate for Tate Rodemaker. He finally gets his chance <laughs> and, and does win a game at the Swamp, which he'll always have. But, you know, this is a huge opportunity for him individually in his career. Uh, not that he's thinking about that, but it's, uh, it's, it's certainly it's, it's a tough blow if he's not able to play. I would be surprised if he does because you would think a player as inexperienced as Tate Rodemaker uh, from a playing standpoint would need the week of practice to go through what does Louisville do well, what don't they do well. So even if he is up and playing, really a challenge because how well prepared can he be for the game? At least Brock Glenn can focus on Louisville and, and be in tune with the game plan in terms of what FSU wants to do to try and combat the challenges the Cardinals present. Yeah, at least as bad as it would be to not be able to practice, oh boy, if you got a guy that can't play at all. So, so we'll see what happens. It's a shame the way the Florida State season ended. or It's not ended. I shouldn't say that. It's a, it's a shame the difficulties they're having to go through. Look, that, and by the way, football, you're always an injury away. I, I don't care. All, all, the, all those world championships that the Patriots won, they were one Tom Brady injury away from everything blows up. You're, you're always one injury away in this sport partic- particularly, Hayes, because quarterback te- qu- it's such a quarterback, one-position centric sport that you're always, you're always one injury away. As good as Georgia is, as good as they are, they're the best team. I think they're going to win the national championship. I don't think anyone's going to get them, including Alabama tomorrow afternoon, about 24 hours from now, 25 hours from now. But if Carson Beck goes down, they're in trouble. Despite how highly regarded Brock Vandergrift was and Gunnar Stockton were, and they both might turn out to be good players, but if he goes down, they're in trouble. If Jalen Milrow goes down, Alabama's in trouble. If J.J. McCarthy goes down, Michigan's in trouble. That's the nature of the sport. And I'm not trying just to defend FSU. I'm just telling you the reality is if you lose in this sport, now more than ever, it's always been this way, but now more than ever, if you lose that guy, you're dead in the water. Yeah, and that's what makes that Ohio State national title so impressive from however 10 years ago when, when Urban Meyer won it with his third-string quarterback, Cardale Jones. And uh, it is going to be a significant challenge for FSU. Now the good news is Louisville cannot stop the run. 
Uh, Kentucky just ran right over them uh, to the tune of 38 points uh, on Saturday. And so I think, if, if again, if you're Mike Norvell, this is, you go to Trey Benson and Toa Feely today and say, get ready because we're probably going to run the ball 45 times uh, between the two of you guys to take the pressure off either a quarterback that hasn't really practiced much this week uh, and probably can't take another hit uh, or a quarterback that truly will be basically playing for the first time. So so we'll see what winds up happening. All right, FSU, uh, Louisville tomorrow night. Dogs and Crimson Tide tomorrow afternoon. Ooh, that's, that's going to be good. Jeff Dantzler jumping on the program yeah, today. Yeah, that's going to be fun. The Woolsey Morecambe uh, National College Football Report. Jeff Dantzler from 960 The Ref in uh, Athens from the Bulldog Radio Network. Nobody knows that team better. Ooh, that's going to be – I'm, I'm – I'm probably as excited about watching that as I have been any college football game that doesn't involve my team. If you take your team, and my team's Florida, obviously, if you take your team out of play, I'm probably as excited about that one as any game I've watched, don't you think, in a, really in a long time for well, me. Well, they've given, I mean, Georgia and Alabama, it's become a great rivalry. They've, this is the, you know, the latest in a few now just unbelievable matchups that they've provided and. Yeah, I, I think the winner of that game is going to win the national championship. I just I don't believe enough in Michigan or Oregon. I think Florida State without without Jordan Travis is is I don't think they can win the national title. Uh, and so in looking at it, to me, I I don't think Oregon can do it. I, I think it's I think it's Georgia or Alabama, and uh, and the winner. I think is uh, is going to ultimately hold the the ultimate trophy at the end. Yeah, I do. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So a lot of things to talk about today. Jeff Danzler joins us on the program today. He will be with us at uh, four forty. Before that, Pete Prisco checks in at four o'clock to talk NFL uh, as the NFL comes down the home stretch, including the Jags and Bengals on Monday night. Jimmy Himes for the final time this year. We'll talk SEC football. That's at five o'clock. We are loaded up. Some other surprises coming for you as well. We are loaded up with stuff. Hey, we're at Island Wing Company on the south side. Normally our Wednesday haunt. But we moved around a little bit. We had the Tom Coughlin J Fund Radiothon on Wednesday. We love doing that. So we bounced it around a little bit. So come out and say hello to us on the south side here. Coconut, shrimp, and a whole lot more. Glad you're with us. Lauren Brooks has the day off. Frank Frangi, Hayes Carline, RJ Saunders. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Now back to a Big Chief Tire Friday on the Frangie Show. Big Chief Tire. Visit BigChiefService.com. Frank Frangie Hayes Carline with you on this Friday. I do want to thank our friends from Big Chief Tire, the best tire company around. Big Chief Tire with five locations on the first coast. There's one on the north side. Uh, two on the west side. South side's over here on Phillips Highway, now on in Orange Park. Uh, fantastic locations, and, uh, man, they do a terrific job. Big Chief Tire Company, brakes, uh, alignment, uh, oil changes, um, you name it, they've got it. And, of course, those great tires. Uh, you need tires, you go to Big Chief Tire Company. All right, a lot, a lot of things. Let me get to set the scene for you a little bit. Jeff Dantzler will be at 440 today uh, talking Georgia, Alabama. Nobody knows the dogs better. Pete Prisco before that at 4 o'clock. Uh, we'll be talking... NFL football today, uh, getting us ready for the Jags, Bengals, and a whole lot more. Jimmy Himes at 5 o'clock, our last SEC report of the day or of the year. And we're going to try and track down uh, Tom Block. We did not have the State Farm College 
football report this year because we have the Tom Coughlin J Fun Radiothon in uh, in Florida and Miami. Florida season was over. Miami only has the bowl left. Uh, but we do want to check down Tom Block. So we're not going to have a full state farm report, but the Seminoles are playing tomorrow. So we're going to try and tra- track down Tom. I really want to get the insight on the whole Tate Rodemaker thing. What is, uh, was it, to your point earlier, Hayes, was it a relapse of sorts? Was it, like you said, sometimes the brain injuries kick in later when you, there's a dizziness, and so obviously there's some concussion testing uh, that you have to go through. The protocol, the protocol involves tests. So we'll certainly uh, ask that question as we uh, continue along. Uh, with Tom Block today. At some point, we hope to track Tom down, and we think Tom will be able to join us uh, in the program. But big, big, big weekend, a fun weekend coming up uh, uh, this weekend. Let's start with the Jags. There will be a lot of college football today, but one last time to start with the Jags. We will not be here uh, on Monday. Uh, we will have the kickoff show. You'll be here, so you and me will have the kickoff show for us Monday at 3, and I'll join you, and I think Dan and Jeff are going to jump on. I think a lot of people are going to make it a special kickoff show, but uh, but not a frangy show. So some final thoughts on this game. I am... Um, as I look at this game, I think they're hopeful to have Tyson Campbell back. They don't know that yet. But against a Bengals team that's going to have a difficult time throwing. And now listen, T. Higgins is probably going to play. Jamar Chase is fantastic. Joe Mixon, with everything else going, is very good. So there's good weapons now. It's not The, the lack of weapons, uh, Tyler Boyd's a good player. So the lack of weapons isn't an issue uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. The quarterback is the issue. It's really interesting that... that and I guess what happens is Jake Browning has just been sort of an invisible guy. You know, A.J. McCarron's still on the team, um, but it's Joe. everything has been so Joe Burrow-centric on that team that I was thinking about this. I remember when Browning was at Washington. Barely. Do you, do you remember? Do you remember? Barely. I, I barely remember him being at Washington. I remember there was some conversation about, you know, will he be a good NFL player? Uh, he might be an NFL player. What's going to happen? Um but yeah, as I, as I look at this thing, I uh, I don't know what to expect from Jake Browning. Not just this game, but any game. I don't, the the one thing that helps them a little bit. I don't think anybody knows what to expect. Yeah, I, I think that's the case, and we'll see about T. Higgins. I'm anxious to see what you know the Bengals do in terms of listing him on today's injury report, and RJ will give that to us later in the show. But I uh, in in looking at it, if Jamar Chase doesn't absolutely kill the Jaguars, they should be fine. I really don't see Joe Mixon running the ball. Cincinnati hasn't run the ball well as a team all year. They're last. Uh, and, and the Jaguars have been so good at defending the run. So to me, this, again, we talk about the matchups every week. Other than Jamar Chase just possibly having one of those six catches, 170 yards, two touchdown kind of games, I, I, I really think the Jaguars are in good shape here from a defensive standpoint. And I just can't imagine that they're going to let Jamar Chase have those kind of opportunities. I mean, you almost have to just constantly double him. And if Browning can beat you going to the other weapons, you know, you tip your cap to him. You know, Cincinnati doesn't offer much in terms of a tight end. So I don't think, you know, that scares you very much. And to me, this comes down to Cincinnati isn't playing well defensively. They just aren't. And... This should be, I would imagine, the Jaguars' offense has been salivating watching Cincinnati film. And, yes, they have a good scheme. They're well coached. But something is, is amiss because, like I said, they're last in the league in yards per play allowed. And they're not playing a lot of garbage time. It's not like they're up 24 points uh, because of yeah. great Joe Burrow. And then in garbage time, their defense is getting uh, shredded. And that's not happening. So they're – they're just not performing well. 
uh, they don't they don't get teams off the field. They're they're 28th in the league on third down. To me, it all adds up to the Jaguars should have tremendous advantages when Trevor Lawrence drops back. I would go so far as to say I think you can even limit ETN's role in this game a little bit uh, if you're getting concerned about workload because I think they're going to be able to block Cincinnati in terms of the pass rush, and I think there's no chance they're going to cover all the weapons the Jaguars have. I will say this, and again, sometimes (laughs) when things go badly, you desperately try and find something good. Right? Like, can, we, can we find something positive here because so many things have gone badly? Well, when things are going so well, I think maybe you over, we overlook for the negative, and I'm not trying to do that. I'm pro- so I'm probably nitpicking a bit here, Hayes. But the run game has been an issue. Do you realize five games in a row now, that five games in a row, Travis Etienne has been under three yards of carry? Yeah. Or is it under four yards of carry? Maybe it's under four yards of carry. But yeah, be, I think. But think maybe it's under four. But, it, but it's five games in a row now. After a guy who was way over that for many, many years, I mean, for many, many years. I mean, so something's not right there. Whether they're not blocking, whether teams are crowding the box and they're not passing him out of it, whether he's not hitting the holes the way he once did. But his yards per carry five games in a row now have not been very good, which makes me wonder, is there, is there, is there an, an appreciable reason for that? I mean, it runs through my mind. I mean, is there, why is that the case? And no, nobody seems to really know. Or you're not blocking them. I think it's that they're not blocking them. I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit to all of that. But, uh, but I think it, the, the primary difficulty they're having is, you know, they're, they're good in pass protection. But it's just not a mauling offensive line. And, you know, I, I just I think it shows up in the run game. And uh, so I, could ETN be better? Probably, uh, you know, in, in terms of picking his spots. I are there other factors play calling yeah maybe something to something to that I think at the end of the day it's you know that the revolving door at left guard's been an issue which hopefully now will not be and it clearly settles in you know Luke Fortner is a good smart player and he's he's good in pass protection he's just not overly physical it's it's been a knock it continues to be a knock I and, and Brandon Sheriff is, I think, the same way. He's, he's better in pass protection than he is at moving people. And, uh, and so because of that, I think the ground game has suffered. They're 18th running the ball in the league. So they have really dipped because they were, like, right around 10-11 for a while. They were above average to good. Now they're below average. Yeah, so it'll be it'll – be again, I'm reaching a little bit, but uh, we'll see. Look, I think we're headed to 9-3. and three. And I think teams are going to continue to lose in the league. So I, uh, I mean, this is a—it's been a bizarre season, uh, not just for the Jags. It's been—I mean, if I'd have told you before the year that by the time you played the Bengals there'd be no Joe Burrow, by the time you played the Browns uh, there would be no Deshaun Watson. Both times you played the Titans, they're going to be playing a rookie. Uh, by the time you play the Colts a second time, there's no Anthony Richardson. It's been a weird quarterback year, and it's benefited the Jags. And, again, knock on wood because you're one injury away from it being your guy, and I get that. But, but it, I mean, hasn't it? I mean, this, this whole, I mean, it's a quarterback league, man. And when your quarterback goes down, and that's, and that's it just seems like it's happening a lot. Quarterback injuries are happening around the league anyway. But it sure seems to be affected by the Jaguar season, doesn't it? It really does. Or affect I, the Jaguar I, I season. I mean, to have as many games left as the Jaguars have, to have six games remaining, and to have really just one, I'd say, upper echelon quarterback left, and that's Lamar Jackson, 
it, it's it's pretty staggering to think that you know they could be looking at some combination of Browning, Flacco, Mayfield, Bryce Young, Levis. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know, outside of that game against the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. So yeah, you take advantage of it, and you know, you you, you make make the most of it. Go get the one seed, and uh, and that is something that certainly is attainable. We've gone over the roads. And the Jaguars have, I think, the easiest one. I don't think the Chiefs have a tough one either, but it's, I think, harder than what the Jaguars have. And the Ravens and Dolphins have tough roads. It's going to be very interesting to see the way this thing, whole thing plays out. I, but I will tell you, what I do love is I love the fact that it's going to be a crazy, I mean, a blackout. Are you wearing your black? Wear your black. Absolutely. I mean, uh, everybody, wear, wear, wear your black clothes, uh, black end zones. Uh, love the black. You give me a black. You give me a black end zone on Monday night. It's a dang good Monday night. Yeah. What it is. I mean, fans are wearing a black. It's going to be standing room only. You're being sold, and it's not going to be Bengals fans. Okay, it's going to be Jaguars fans on a Monday night. I love this. I, I, and there's going to be a, there's going to be a halftime band going on. I mean, they're they're a halftime act. I, I mean, I, I this is man. This is why you do it, bro. I mean, this this is this is why you do it. You want to get to where, like Doug Peterson said, you earn your way to Monday night. They've earned their way to Monday night. The blackout, all black uniforms, the black end zones, um, uh, the, the band playing at halftime. The uh, this is good stuff, man. This is this is this is good stuff. I, I'm I'm jacked about the good stuff that's about to happen here. I mean, I mean that very sincerely. It's going to be a really, really, really fun uh, Monday night of the Friday. I love night game. Aren't night games great? They're the best. Haven't played a night game since the preseason, by the way. This thing, you know. Yeah, so so yeah. so so. I don't think it affects you a whole lot. You just wait a long time to play. You know, right. you, you sit around, sit around. You you spend, and most coaches, and I think Doug will do this too. You'll even on game day, you'll go do a walkthrough on game day, just just to, just to get up and moving. Yeah. What you don't want is your team sitting around the whole time. Right. I think any coach will tell you that. Yeah, and again, this is where Doug Peterson's experience is so critical. I mean, he was a player, so he saw different coaches and how they handled night games. You know, certainly he's been an offensive coordinator under Andy Reid. He's been a head coach he's experienced all this he had to get a team ready to go win a super bowl so yeah i I think uh it's it's good for this young team to go through this because look they don't play a lot of playoff games at one o'clock in the afternoon uh you know the it's very very likely that every game the jaguars play is going to be a night game in the tournament and so yeah you you need to get ready for it this will be a good test monday the game against the ravens will you know, help them get ready for the Sunday night aspect of it. And, uh, you know, everything should line up in getting them prepared for the playoffs. Do I look ready? You're definitely ready. I mean, I'm ready. I mean, I'm yeah. not going to lie. Let me tell you what I got. Your phone's already doing the cool light yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I've even awesome. got the whole black, like the black. I wore black <laughs> just to, to get ready. Right, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm preparing. You got black. We're preparing. Yeah. You got the coconut. You give me right. coconut shrimp and black before the black. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for this. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Hey, let me, let me lay out the day today for you once again here from Island Wing Company on this Big Chief Tire Friday. Um, Pete Prisco at 4 o'clock will join us to, to talk NFL. Hang on, RJ. Prisco at 5.15. Uh, okay, let's. Uh, well, I didn't know that, so we'll we'll adjust our day a little bit. So that that comes up in a bit. But Pete Prisco today, Gene Himes today, uh, Tom Block today, Jeff Dancer today, all coming up on the program. We got a lot of stuff. We're glad you're with us on this Island Wings Friday, or on this Big Chief Tower from Island Wings. Stay with us. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. 
the Big Chief Tire Friday on the Frangie Show. For all of your tires and automotive service needs, it's Big Chief Tire. We're glad you're with us on a Big Chief Tire Friday. Okay, let me again, let me set the scene for you today because we had a little bit of a mix-up here. Um, Pete Prisco is going to try. Pete normally joins us at 4 o'clock. He's got one uh, responsibility with CBS. He's going to try to join us either at 4 or 420 for us to have Pete today. Jeff Dantzler from Athens, Georgia, talking Georgia-Alabama at 440. Jimmy Himes at 5 o'clock. And then we're going to check in live at 520 with Tom Block. Tom told me he just landed in Charlotte. Big, big weekend for the Knowles, and the Knowles have earned that, man. You know, I thought I got thinking about this. It's hard to go 12-0. They went 12-0. They won, was it 19 straight games or yeah. something like that? I mean, since, uh, since starting 4-3 and three last year. So this, it's a shame they've lost Jordan Travis, which we all know is going to make it very tough, which we do know is going to make it very tough, even if they get into playoffs. That's a reality. But what a run for the Knowles. I mean, what, I mean if you really look back, and we'll talk about this in the aftermath, Hayes, it's been a great run, man. Twelve and zero. I mean, we, it's almost like because Travis got hurt, because we talk so much SEC and not ACC, because there's been so much Ohio State, Michigan attention. It's almost like nationally more than around here. It's almost like this twelve and zero season didn't get attention. I mean, it, you know what I mean? It, they're twelve and zero. It is hard to freaking go twelve and zero. It's been a great year, man, for Florida State. So um, again. If they don't have Rodemaker, I don't think they're going to win tomorrow. If they have Tate Rodemaker, I think it's a toss-up tomorrow. And with them or without them, I don't think they're going to win a playoff game. And, again, that's not a knock on FSU. I'm not sure Michigan would win one without J.J. McCarthy. I'm not sure Georgia wins one without Carson Beck. You lose that guy, the world changes. We all know the world. We all, I mean, the, the, whatever Pac-12 team gets in, if a Pac-12 team gets in, how quarterback-centric are those two teams? I mean, Bo Nix and, and Michael Penix, honest to God, Hayes, those, they, they are those two programs, realistically. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You're not going to find an elite college football team in this day and age that doesn't have an amazing quarterback. And the real – I think Florida State's still going to win, even if Tate Rodemaker can't play. Even tomorrow? Yeah. I mean, even if Brock Glenn plays the game? Mm-hmm. Do you? Yeah, because I, I don't think it changes them all that much. Yeah. I, I don't think Rodemaker was probably going to – drop back and throw it a ton. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so I, I think it's still a lot of Benson, and they can manufacture some things for Keon Coleman. And if you do have to throw it up, Johnny Wilson's a great guy to throw it up to. Jaheim Bell is somebody that you can manufacture things for that are very easy uh, for an inexperienced quarterback to hit. So, I mean, I, I think that – I don't think Louisville's going to be able to stop Trey Benson. So, uh, and, and to your point, Brock Glenn's a guy they really like. Right, he and, just hadn't played. Right, and so I, I think, I, I think the and, and I think FSU's defense is playing at such a high level that I don't think Louisville is going to, you know, race out to some seventeen nothing lead. Uh, I do think playing in the swamp bothered FSU a little bit last week. I think that's why they got off to a slow start, and you know, Florida played well early in the game for the first twenty minutes. But I don't think you're going to see that in Charlotte. I, I would have to think FSU is going to have a crowd advantage but certainly won't be at a disadvantage. So I, I, think, I think Florida State is able to either keep Louisville in sight or have a lead, and I just think ultimately as the game plays on, Florida State's defense is going to figure out what Louisville likes, and I think as the game plays on, Trey Benson's going to get stronger, and he's going to break something. Or, or, the, or Glenn or Rodemaker will throw a quick something to Toa Feely or Bell or Coleman, and they'll break it for – you know, a 70-yard touchdown. I, I just think Florida State has – it's sort of similar yeah. to the Florida game. I, I, I think it will be close, 
But to me, if you did an open draft of these two rosters and you took the first 30 players, even without Jordan <clears throat> Travis, I think you're taking the first – I think 22 of your 30 would yeah. be Knowles. Yeah, and let me be clear about this, too, to your point, to support your point a little bit, too. FSU having to play Brock Glenn, this isn't Florida playing Max Brown, who is a three-star, who is a, who is a who plays some baseball. Brock Glenn's a four-star recruit that was the number 13th quarterback in the country when Florida State signed. He's a, he's a good player. I mean, and I'm not trying to knock on Max Brown, but Max Brown isn't what we think Brock, what I think Brock Glenn will be. And so, uh, so you're playing. It's just a guy that hadn't played. So, I, so I, so I, I'm not sure I'll pick him to win if they didn't have if they have a guy that ever played. I probably would pick. Louisville because I think they've got a guys that play. But, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what winds up happening in the ballgame. But uh, the, the, point, the whole point is what a tough, what a tough thing to have happen um, when you're having such a magical season. Well, and again, and, and you're, that, one, you're one injury away, and yeah. FSU had the one injury. And that's where I am with it. And, you know, we'll see if this is a topic, you know, for Tuesday's show. But that's the, the shame in it to me is if Jordan Travis was, was healthy for this game, Florida State would be a 19-point favorite. Louisville just lost to Kentucky, 38-31, in their house. So if Jordan Travis was playing, this would be a 17-and-a-half point line, in my opinion. Agreed. And, and so – Whatever it, the line is, yeah, yeah they'd it, be a prohibitive it, it favorite. It would be a – they'd be a massive favorite. Yeah, I agree with you. To beat I, Louisville. Yeah. Uh, so to me, the, the, the real shame in it and, – and I'm not sure how well Florida State with Jordan Travis yeah. would have fared in the playoff. I wouldn't have picked him to win it. I might have picked him to get to the championship game. Yeah. But I probably wouldn't have picked him to win the whole thing. But but regardless of that, the real shame to me could be if Louisville wins the game Saturday against whether it's Rodemaker or, okay. or or Brock Lynn, man, to not get that ring. I know. You know, know. that's the thing that I think is so galling is to go twelve and zero and then not be able to say that you won the ACC title when you did nothing wrong yeah. other than your guy got hurt. Right, and then you're playing. I mean, they're, they're yeah. still going to play in okay. a New Year six, but you know, it's it's not the same right. as obviously playing for the you know chance to go and, and play for the national title is one of the four. Tate Rodemaker versus Max Brown. It was a six and a half point line. Gators went up twelve nothing. Knowles came back and won by nine. So it was a nine point win on a six and a half point line. If Travis and Mertz had both played in the game, in your opinion, what would the line? And, and I'll take it a step further. Mertz, neither one of them ever gets hurt, which might mean Mertz beats Missouri. Okay, okay, just just stay with me. Yeah. Mertz, neither one of them get hurt. FSU wins easy the week easier the week before. Um, uh, Florida, I mean Florida wins. Florida shocks Missouri. What's the line, and how does that game end? I mean, I think it. I think it would have been similar. I think Florida Still State six and a half. is probably a, yeah, maybe five six point favorite, and probably wins the game by seven to ten points. Okay, and the uh, what do you I, think? Bigger, but because I think I think I think FSU, Florida's only so good, even though they're better offensively than defensive. Florida's only good so Florida was only going to be so good this year. Their their team was only so good. Looked very good against Missouri, but only so good. I think FSU with Jordan Travis is really good. So I, that, the reason I thought it hurt them more is because they are really good. I mean, lo- losing oh Jordan Travis is certainly better than yeah yeah yeah. And so so I no would have I would have guessed a, a nine or ten point line, and I would have now again and I would have guessed thirty one fourteen thirty one seventeen would have yeah. been the game. But again, I and but if you're giving them the win at Missouri, yeah, with yeah Mertz healthy, which would have made the line smaller. Then it's yeah, like yeah. well, but, okay, but, now they're yeah. at home, but they just won right a top ten matchup on the road. Fair point. But but where I'm going with this is I want to get to the I want to get to the um, 
this week's game. If Jordan Travis was playing in this game, because I'm going back to what you said a minute ago, I think you're right. I think it's a 15-point line, and I think they win the game really going away. I mean, I watched Louisville. I was at Miami when Louisville played Miami a couple weeks ago. They were ordinary, and, I, and we all watched on TV when Kentucky, who you know is ordinary, beat them. You know, we watched the game. You know, so, and uh, yeah, so I would think FSU would win the game with some with some signal. But anyway, we'll see what happens. I, again, listen, it's been a great year for the Knowles. I promise you, if it's the Gators, if this was the Gators, it was my team. We were 12-0 and and lost our quarterback, and for that reason, I felt like we were now all of a sudden probably going to lose to LSU, Alabama in the championship game. It wouldn't tarnish it in my mind. Wouldn't have the ring, to your point, but, right. but, but I, would, I would still feel pretty damn good about that year. Well, I think particularly on, on that side with Florida, because of the statement wins that you'd be yeah. getting to get to 12-0. and 0. That's exactly That's right. the only thing with this run for FSU that, and it, again, it's not anything, there's nothing they can do about it, but LSU didn't end up being, well, they're good. I mean, they're, yeah. they're a good, solid team, and, yeah. you know, that's going to play in a, a you know, a, a, not a New Year's Six Bowl, but a right. pretty good bowl outside of the New Year's Six. Uh, Clemson at the time was really dreadful. Right, uh, they've rallied to you know, but uh, and and Florida is awful. So I mean, in terms of the, you know, we thought maybe at Pitt would be a chance for kind of a right. statement game. Pitt was terrible, uh, you know. So they just didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't. The twelve and zero to me didn't have as many. Right. Wow, can you believe we we got that one? Is it would if you know Florida on their regular schedule won twelve games? So, all right, a lot of things to talk about today on the uh, program. Uh, Pete Prisco is going to join us as normal per per usual at four o'clock. So Pete Prisco from CBSSports.com will be with us at four o'clock talking all things NFL. Jeff Dantzler four forty talking uh, Alabama Georgia. Man, I'm excited about that game. Jimmy Himes wraps up the SEC season at five o'clock. Tom Block is uh, he's got boots on the ground. He is in Charlotte. He's excited about that game, as all the Knowles are. He will check in from Charlotte at 520. So we are loaded up with good stuff today. Fun Friday to have you with us in uh, uh, all kinds. Of, by the way, before we get to Pete, interesting game Dallas-Seattle last night, wasn't it? Yeah, I really, uh, I was really surprised. Normally the Thursday night game is, is kind of more of a defensive game. Hard for these offenses to, to be sharp on such short rest. Boy, they were both going up and down the field. DK Metcalf right out of the gate, 72 yards. Uh, Dallas chasing for the majority of it, but to their credit, catches Seattle late, takes the lead, and then gets two really key stops on fourth down. Uh, so I thought Dallas showed a lot. Dak Prescott, boy, is he changing how people view him. I mean, he is having an unbelievable year. He's absolutely in the MVP discussion. Uh, he has just been incredible over these last six weeks. Yeah, he's had a terrific and, season. Uh, yeah, it was, it was just – to me it was shocking to see Dallas's defense – get burned as much as they did early in that game but again to their credit they got the stops when they had to get them late i'm going to make a recommendation to the league is that okay with you sure you know i don't have i don't think i nfl clout like yeah. sec if i if i call greg sank he's calling me right back and Something's then he's making happened. whatever change i say um i loved the seahawks old school units yeah they're cool they, that, that that you know that was that was dave craig throwing yeah. to steve largest right. what that was they yeah. they, they uh, we have to get back to that yeah we, we, we have to well, I mean, why would you not wear that? I mean, why yeah. would they not? Look how good those look. The blue and the silver and a little green trim. Why would you not just say, listen, we got it wrong the last few years. We're going back. I, I don't know because this is a team that will wear that neon. Yes, that I stop that. Hate. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I love the, uh, the Seahawks throwbacks. And, again, I mean, they, 
They look good. They're a team that I think in the NFC we've talked about how it doesn't have nearly the depth that the AFC has. But I don't know that you want the Seahawks rolling in wild card weekend if you're a two seed or a yeah. three seed. Uh, obviously, the yeah, four seed the four seed's going to have Dallas. The right. four seed's going to be the underdog in the game, right? Because it's going to be the NFC South champion, right? I agree. Who's going to probably not even be five hundred, right? Welcoming in the Cowboys, but the uh, the interesting ones will be the two seed and the three seed games, right? Seattle could absolutely be a spoiler. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, let's say hello to Pete Prisco from CBSSports.com. It is brought to you by Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. This is Ten Ten XL and ninety two point five FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Back to more of Big Chief Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. Family owned since 1961. It's Big Chief Tire. Welcome out of the program. We're live here at uh, Island Wing Company. Another change. We apologize. Pete Frisco, <laughs> now we hope 420. He just got tied up at CBS. We had a little miscommunication, but I promise you, uh, we're doing all we can to get Pete on the air. I can confirm Jeff Danzler at 440, Jimmy Himes at 5, Tom Block at 520. Those we do know about, so we'll make sure those happen for you. A little bit of miscommunication here, but we're good to go. Frank Frangie hates Carline here. R.J. Saunders in World Headquarters. And, of course, uh, Lauren Brooks has the day off, and she will be with us. We'll talk some NFL when Pete uh, comes along in just a bit. Alabama, Georgia. How good? How good is the game? Again, we'll talk to Jeff Danzler about half an hour, but, I mean, is it fourth quarter – Someone's trying to kick a field goal to win it. Someone's pulling. What, what kind of game do you expect? I think Alabama's chasing, but it's close. And I think ultimately Georgia gets a stop uh, and, and maybe gets an add-on late to win by 7-10, to 10, you know, something like that. So I, I, think it's, I think throughout the 60 minutes it's a one-possession game with Georgia ahead and Alabama just never able to make that one play to – swing it in their favor and I think Georgia just able to kind of keep the stiff arm on them till the end of the game. Hey, how much in your opinion and I see a, I see a similar game. In your opinion, how much pressure is on Carson Beck? And before you answer, here's the scenario or a scenario. Stetson Bennett led him to two national championships. It's hard to get natties. They had won one since 1980, okay? You were five or whatever the hell you were. That's the last, that's the last time they had won one. Weren't you, weren't, you, weren't you born like in 75 or 78 yeah, or 82 or yeah, 61 yeah. or something like 1989, that? yeah. Okay, you young guys. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, and then he won back-to-back. As great as they have been, and now there's a perception, even though Jalen Milrow has found himself and made a really good throw at the end of that game to win that game for Alabama over Auburn, there's still a perception that that's not a position strength for them. And, again, Milrow's a great athlete, and he's done some way better things as the season's gone along in the past game. But that, but, but that perception still exists. That if you, if you went through the top 15, 20 quarterbacks in the country, Jalen Milrow's not making many lists. Do you agree with that? I do. Okay. And so, so you got Alabama at a disadvantage. At least that's, the, that's in the court of public opinion, that's the perception. If you lose to him, that, there's pressure on Carson Beck. Not to have that happen. I guess that's the point, right? I mean, I think, yeah. I, think there's, I think there's some pressure on Carson Beck not to be the – it seems unfair. They're 12-0, and 0 and they've been rolling people, and he's played so well, and he's handled the season so well, and he's handled the expectation so well. But we do live in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately world, man, you know? And if you lose to Alabama – by the way, I don't think they make the playoff. 
I think this is the last year a 12-0 regular season champ is going to miss the playoff. But if Alabama beats them, I don't think they're in. And, and, and so pressure on Carson back. I, yeah, I, I think so. But I don't think it's pressure that goes beyond just the, the, the natural pressure that you would have in this game. I think individually for Carson Beck, he's really in a great situation. If He's certainly caught the attention of NFL general managers with this season. So if, if he doesn't get it done and says, you know what, I just, you know, I, I just want to move on, and I think he's going to have a, a fantastic draft process and be selected somewhere in the first round. If he, you know, if, if winning the national title and, and not performing as well as he would like in the SEC title is a great motivator, he can return. And if Carson Beck comes back to Georgia, they will be unquestionably the team to beat next year. So I think he's in a pretty good spot either way. I think, you know, if you lose, you can move on and, uh, you know, and, and go make a lot of money playing in the NFL. And if you come back, then I think everybody's thrilled that you decided to return. Uh, that's a Georgia fan. So no one's going to be giving him any right. grief about losing to Alabama. They're going to be so jacked that he's returning. And, uh, you know, and, and then you have a chance to you know, author a, an amazing season, and he'd probably be on – the very short list of Heisman frontrunners. So I think he's in a pretty good position. But what you said about Georgia is really interesting because it's like that's the scenario. Like what if Georgia loses 31-30 right. and Florida State beats Louisville 9-6? to You know, what is the, com- is the committee going to look at it and say we've got to put in an undefeated FSU okay. team? over a Georgia team that's 12-1 and one, that the eye test would probably tell you is the better team. Okay. Let's, go, let's walk through it. Has lost a game. Washington. Uh, let's walk through Washington's undefeated, right? They are undefeated. Okay, Washington wins. Okay. All right. Because if they lose, and by the way, I like Oregon in the game. We all did. Yeah. Then, then I think Oregon did. But, but let's say uh, Washington wins the game. FSU wins the game. Michigan beats Iowa. Alabama beats Georgia 31-30. What is the field? What's it going to be? Not, not what it should be. What is it going to be? I think, it's, three I think it's going to be the three unbeatens and then Alabama is the four. I do too. Uh, I do too. I, I just don't think they're going to have uh, – I, I just don't think okay. they're going to tell an undefeated team okay. that you're out. All right. I got it. All right, fair enough. Oregon wins the game. Alabama wins 31-30. FSU wins. What's the field? Oregon ahead I, of Georgia? I, I think so. See, here's the here's int- the tough one. Last, I know it was last year. Yeah, Georgia beat them three hundred to nothing. They did to and, start the season. And here's the thing too with Oregon that I think makes it interesting in terms of the FSU argument. So FSU's argument is going to be yes, we're not whole. We don't have our quarterback, but we're undefeated. No one has beaten us. Oregon's counter to that, if it becomes an Oregon versus FSU debate, could be well, yes. We did lose to Washington on a walk-off field goal, but we also turned around and then beat Washington yeah. on a neutral field. So we avenged our loss. They okay. could make the argument of, well, we're really, you know, yeah, I mean, okay. that's right. where I think it gets right. kind of interesting. I still think, look, I, I still think FSU should be in okay. and right. will be in even if they win an ugly game. Okay, you answer my question. We're one step ahead of me. Here's what I'm going to do, okay? This happens, Okay. They uh, FSU wins nine to six. 
Uh, Washington wins. Michigan wins. Alabama beats Georgia 47-46 in three overtimes. Okay? And the committee is stuck. So they say, we're going to Jacksonville, Florida, because this car line guy used to work at the Moss Point, <laughs> right. and he was really good he at bringing us it. Some, and, uh, and he brought out that when he brought spinach that. Spinach con queso. When, and man, one when he brought out that spinach, yeah. it was so good. And right. we've never forgotten about him. So we're going down to Jacksonville. He's out of the Buick now. Drives a better right. car. <laughs> and you're the voter. What would you vote? What would your what would you, you were the deciding vote. And, again, FSU wins 9-6, to 13-0. Washington wins 13-0. Michigan beats Iowa 13 and 0 and and Alabama beats Georgia 47-46 in three overtimes who are you who the four are you picking I'm going to take FSU over Georgia I just think it's I I can't leave the whole point of this playoff is to have as close to an undisputed champion as you can have so how do you look at a team that hasn't lost in the eye and say you're not in and then let FSU go win the Orange Bowl right. against Ole Miss. So you've got a team out there that plays in a reputable league right. that is undefeated, won a, you know, a, a major bowl game. Florida State would have every right to say, we're the national champions. We're going to put up a banner. We're going to do what UCF did and acknowledge that you know, I'm sure there will be some publication out there that will say FSU is our national champion. And, you know, I just don't think you want that kind of chaos if you're the playoff committee. I, I just think here's the other thing about Georgia. While the eye test absolutely tells you they're probably the best team, even in that circumstance of losing in triple overtime, they're probably still the best team, and they're certainly one of the top four. But the problem is with Georgia, their out-of-conference schedule was a complete joke because right. they had to give up the Oklahoma game. Uh, so they, I mean, when you talk about statement wins, again, what does Georgia have? I mean, Georgia has a close call against, uh, you know, an Auburn team that's mediocre. They beat Tennessee, who's okay, but not spectacular. I mean, Florida obviously is terrible, like we've said. So what game do you point at in Georgia's defense in terms of the games, the, the resume, and say, well, how are they not in? Look, at they won this game and they won that game. I mean, Georgia doesn't really have a lot of meat on their resume either, but what they have is the eye test, the reputation. And, and look, I mean, if I had to pick Georgia versus Florida State without Jordan Travis, all day long I'd pick Georgia to win the game. Right. But in terms of coming up with the four that should determine the true national champion – I'd have to have Florida State in because they have not lost. 100% agree with you. And I think that's where it would land. My answer would be the same. The fir- very first thing you said, if you ke- why play the season if you can go 13-0 and and not get in? Then, why, why, then why'd you play? Then why did you play Wake Forest? Then why did you even have a season? <clears throat> and, I, and, I, and, I, and I feel strongly about that. But it, it certainly would underscore more than ever why you had to get to 12. It, 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 and I, I used to root for stuff like that to happen so we would get to 12. Well, I don't root for it anymore because we're at 12. But it, nothing, nothing would underscore better than that why you have to get to 12. Because, by the way, it's, if, if, it, if that scenario plays out, FSU should be in. And I think would be in. But what a shame this magnificent Georgia season that you lost by one point in three overtimes to a damn good Alabama team 
and you have no chance to play for a title. That, that's what's wrong. People say, well, that, that takes away the importance of the regular season. No, it doesn't. It takes away how tragic. The, the regular season should be critically important. It should not be tragic. And that would make it tragic. And, that, and that's why it took 12,000 years, but we finally got to a playoff, in, a real playoff in college football, a real tournament. Yeah. Well, and that's why it's fun to take this weekend's circumstances and apply it to the 12 team. What would the storylines be yeah. if this is the scenario next year with right. the 12? What would be the things that we're talking about? Right. Louisville right. would be trying to play their way in. Right. That's right. That's you know, exactly. That's to get right. into the 12. Yeah. And, and by the way, there will be arguments about who, who, was, who got left out of the 12, but that team probably wasn't winning the title. That team's lost at least two games. Right. The team that gets left out of the four. Right. I mean, if Georgia lose, Georgia might lose. I think Georgia's going to win. But they're probably out if they lose, and that would be tragic, given the season they've had. We'll take a break. Uh, we do think Pete Preston is going to join us at least for a little bit to talk NFL. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Time for all things Jaguars and NFL with Pete Briscoe. The Briscoe Report, presented by Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. Showtime. On the Frangie Show. Let's talk a little NFL with Pete Briscoe. Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles, the sponsor. Right now you get 20% off all hockey hobby boxes, all of them. It's Showtime right now, the corner of Phillips Highway and Shad. Man, they do a great job. If you want collectibles, it's the best in the business, our friends from Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. Hey, Pete, i got a job for you very quickly. You ready for your job? You're ready for your assignment as an assignment, okay? I am ready. Go ahead. You're, you're connected. You're a very connected NFL guy. i got to have those Seahawks unis back, the throwbacks with the blue and the silver. Why, why would they not go back to the good unis, Pete? I want all throwbacks. Didn't you love those Seahawks last night? Weren't they fantastic? They were great. They were great. In fact, the game came on. I told my wife, I go, look at those uniforms. Aren't they sweet? She loved yes. them, too. They're great. I mean, uh, and, and you know, go back and look at everybody else's throwbacks. They're all better, too. Yeah, I mean, I saw Jim Zorn throwing a crosser to Steve Largent's what I saw. That's what I need, Pete. I need that back. So, all right, a lot of things to get to. A lot of things. Pete, Jags are playing at a very good level. On the surface, it wouldn't appear that Cincinnati, uh, Joe Burrow, Cincinnati would have much of a chance against the Jags. Now, it's an NFL game. But what am I missing here? I, I would, uh, Jacksonville, I think, comfortable favorites on Monday night, right? Yeah, and they should be. And, again, this is an opportunity, national TV game, to show people how good you are. And, you know, it's against the team. It doesn't have a quarterback that can, you know, do the things that Joe Burrow can do. So you've got to go out and show people how good you are. And, and we saw the offense get cranked up last week. I was impressed with what I saw. And I think that needs to carry over into this one as well. And, and I think it will. I think that now they're in a rhythm. Now they keep going. Now they get ready for the postseason. Pete, do you like the way the Jaguars' offense matches up against a Cincinnati defense that really the numbers say are, is really struggled? They have struggled, and they got a lot of young guys on the back end, and I think that's shown up in a lot of big plays against them. Uh, you know, they've had injuries on the defensive line. You know, Hendrickson and Hubbard both of this time, and, and, and that has impacted them rushing the passer. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is, a, again, another chance to, to get the, the offense into a rhythm. You know, the one thing about Ridley, you know, when Zay Jones is on the field, Ridley's that much better. And I think that that was a big part of what happened last week. Uh, and I think that's something that they need to continue to get him the football in key situations to get him the ball down the field. I, I thought Trevor Lawrence's throw to Ridley, the deep over, was one of his best throws all year. And it wasn't 
from a aesthetic standpoint it wasn't, but he went back in the pocket, he held the safety, he let him clear, and he fired the rocket down the field. And, and that's what they got to get to. Yeah, I thought it was a great throw, too. He made a handful of good throws, the one to Kirk late in the half, too, but you're right about that. Hey, Pete, it feels like Trevor's hit a rhythm. Even last year, his first year under Doug Peterson, it took a while to kind of find that rhythm, right? Uh, do, do you feel – I mean, you watch quarterbacks all over the league. Doesn't it feel like that rhythm that, that, that you knew was in there, they've kind of found that in the – and you're right, Zay Jones being back out is part of it. But don't you feel like they've kind of found that rhythm? Yeah, and, and I think some of that had to do with the protection. It was better last yeah. week. And when you have right. the better protection, you don't have to just stand up and throw those little quick bubble screens that they throw that drive me up a wall. Um, and, and and so, yeah, I think that combined with the fact that he looked much more confident. He took the shot. you know. And we said that a lot of the times on this show on Fridays, Frank. We said there's been chances where he's taken the easy throw rather than the chance throw in large part because I think he was sped up. I think the offensive play calling was sped up because of the offensive line. And, and now it seemed like they were better up front last week and could settle in and actually throw the football. Pete, do you see any way that Cincinnati's running game, which has really struggled, gets going against this Jaguars run defense that ranks fourth? No, I don't. And I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on Browning to make plays. And, hey, look, they still got playmakers outside. We know that. I mean, those guys can make plays, and Higgins is going to go. So that's, that's, you know, that's tough to handle all those guys. But um, I, I do think with the way Jacksonville's rushing the passer, and if you do stop the run, uh, that's going to put a lot of pressure on a young quarterback. So, no, I don't, I don't think they're going to get the run game. Pete, where are they? Where are the Jags compared to the other good teams, 49ers, Eagles, Chiefs? Where are they compared to other good Jags teams, 17-7 or even back in the day in your mind? I, I think this team this year is comparable to everybody. I, I mean, you, if you look at it on the surface, I think the 49ers are the best team on paper when they're healthy, and we'll know more about them this week when they play Philly. Uh, but, you know, Jacksonville got whacked by them. They, they didn't get in the game. But that happens sometimes. Uh, it doesn't mean that if you played them again, you couldn't compete with them. Uh, I didn't like that version of the Jacksonville offense. I think this version is much better. And that, that, because they can do that, I think they can compete. The other thing is, you got to knock the quarterback down, and they're knocking him down. I mean, Josh Allen is playing uh, unreal football, and Trayvon Walker is getting better. And those guys are starting to impact the quarterback in a big way. And when you do that, you're going to win a lot of games when you have a quarterback who can throw the football down the field on your team. Pete, who do you like in the Denver-Houston game? That's a tough one. Um, I probably picked the, the Texans to win. I think it's going to be tight, though. That Denver team has turned it around. I mean, Sean Payton's done a great job with Russell Wilson, but more than that, a defense that gave up 70, 70 to Miami has given up 80 in the last five games. I mean, that, that tells you how they've turned that defense around. So I think it's going to be close, but I think the Texans will find a way. What, what do you think about the Texans? I mean, I mean are they – Look, obviously, C.J. Stroud's – and by the way, Pete, he's really good. I mean, seeing him up close and personal, he's, he's as good as we all thought he was even going in. Um, are they I – mean, I mean, three, four, five years now, are they going to be – I think the Jaguars are going to be one of the better teams in the National Football League, not just because of Doug and Trevor, but in large part because of them. But I think a lot of the other pieces are there. I think they're going to pay Josh Allen. I think their lines of scrimmage are better. I think their two linebackers, Aluakon and Lloyd, are really good players. What about the Texans? What about the other pieces? Are they headed for some of that, too, or no? They are. And, I mean, I think they have work on defense, obviously. That game shouldn't have been as close as it was last week. I, I, in fact, right, Jacksonville right. should have been winning that game by 10, 14 points the entire time. They, they kept them in the game. Uh, but Jacksonville's the better team right now. But that team's on the rise. I mean, you talk about young players all over the board. The entire team is young. 
Uh, so, yeah. no, I think that when you talk about that division, it's those two teams going forward. And I think that rivalry is going to be really good because of the two quarterbacks. Pete, who do you like in Indianapolis, Tennessee? I think Tennessee wins that game this week. I, I'm not a big – you guys know I'm not a big believer in Gardner Minshew. I think he can – he can give us and he can take us. And, and I think it, it, this is the kind of game where he goes down there and he gives us. So I think Tennessee in that place, they're undefeated at home. You know, that's something to keep an eye on going forward when Jacksonville goes there as well because uh, they are undefeated at home, and that's going to be a tough place to play no matter – and that's a rivalry. So um, I, I think the t- Titans will win that game this week. Final thing, Pete, we'll let you go. We know you got a lot going on with CBS there. Right, as we get down, we, we're, we're after after this weekend, we'll be five weeks away, which is really the home stretch. Any big surprises coming? I mean, is it is it going to be what it looks like? Uh, Jags, Chiefs, Ravens, Dolphins? Is it going to be Dolphin? I mean, uh, Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles, whoever? I mean, is it, any surprises coming as you see it as we come down the home stretch here? No, I, I think you mentioned it. I think in the AFC, the, the four, there's four teams. And four yeah. big teams, those are going to be – they're going to finish in one, two, three, four. You know, that's who they are. But the team that nobody wants in there, Buffalo. You don't want them yeah. in there. Good I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're the, the team that's playing the seventh seed, and the seventh seed options are the Texans, the Broncos, uh, Cleveland without their quarterback, or, you know, any of those other possibilities, Indy, You'd rather play those teams than Buffalo. I can guarantee you that. So that's one to keep an eye on. Buffalo. I'm, I'm actually going to – we haven't gone to a game. and We don't go to games much, but we got we got to do a whole big deal with the Ground the Kansas City-Buffalo game next week. That's oh. an enormous game for Buffalo, man. I'll tell you what. That's a big game for Buffalo. If they could somehow find a way to win that game, I think they get in because the schedule lessens a little bit. They have Dallas the following week. But if they, that's an enormous game for the Bills next week. And, and you know what? It's a seeding thing. If you're a Jaguar fan, you should be a big Buffalo Bills fan. That's... Pete Prisco talking. You're going, so you're going on the road. Prisco back on the road, Carline. What about that? Yeah. Prisco back yeah. on the road. Is that Arrowhead or uh, that, Orchard? It's that Arrowhead. It's that Arrowhead. Okay. Which right. is, is never a picnic, by the way, in terms of everybody always goes, what's well, better than going to Orchard Park? The last few times I was at Arrowhead. It was like minus 10, and, and, and it was snowing the week before, so it's never a picnic either. <laughs> Pete, have fun. Thanks, buddy. Have a good weekend. All right, guys. Take care. Pete Prisco checking in. Once again, those hobby boxes, 20% off. Hockey hobby boxes at Showtime. Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. Go in there. If you're a collector, shame on you if you haven't been in already. Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles right there on Phillips Highway at Shad Road. You'll be glad you did. They do a fantastic, fantastic job. Head to Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. Always the sponsor. Good people, too, man. Always the sponsor of the Prisco Report. From NFL back to college we go. Jeff Dantzler checks in from 560 The Ref in Athens from the Georgia Bulldog Radio Network. Nobody knows the dogs better. Big one, big one coming up tomorrow. We'll talk Georgia football with Jeff Dantzler. It's the Woolsey Morecambe National College Football Report after this. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. It's the National College Football Report, brought to you by the law firm of Woolsey Morecambe on The Frangie Show. Welcome back to the program. Glad you're with us. It's time for the Woolsey Morecambe National College Football Report. And love having my buddy Jeff Dantzler on from the Bulldog Radio Network. No one knows the Bulldogs better. 
Uh, Frank Frangie Hayes Carline with you. Jeff, great to have you on. Man, this is exciting times, man. Uh, hey, Jeff, I remember when the Gators used to go to that game. I don't know if I still know the way. I don't know if I know the path anymore. <laughs> but uh, what what a fun day for the Bulldogs and Bulldog Nation tomorrow. Yeah, Frank, it, it, it's very exciting just to be sitting where Georgia is, obviously with the back-to-back national championships. And uh, what's just truly amazing, winning 45 of the last 46 games. And uh, we all know what's on the line. You know, I had a couple friends ask me, you know, channeling my inner Larry Munson and Vince Dooley, how nervous <laughs> I was. Yeah, you, know, you always get nervous for games like these, but, but you know going into this, you're playing a great team, you're playing Alabama. I, I get a lot more nervous for the Tech game. Uh, but, you know, if they're coming at you and they're trying to derail you. But this really is a clash of the Titans. And, Frank, you know the numbers. It's amazing. These two teams have combined for the last three national championships and eight of the last nine SEC titles. That's just astounding. Well, boy, that really is astounding. Jeff, you know this team better than anybody. How does this team compare to the last two? I mean, obviously it's very similar. They have a bunch of five stars, and they're really well coached, and they win all the games. I get that, but but let's go deeper. You you know this team. Is it is it just like the two Stetson Bennett teams? Obviously, that's a big difference. It's it's Carson Beck, not Stetson. But how did the t- this team compare to its two predecessors in your mind? I love the resiliency of this team. I don't think this team is as dominant as the last two. And you know, you're talking about Frank, as you know, two teams that combined had 25 players drafted. Now, I think right. this team could have 12, 15 guys go. Now, I don't know if they're going to be five first rounders like there were two years ago. But I think this team has found its way and probably not unusual for a lot of teams with, with a, the changes in college football. And remember, we talked back in August that this could really be an interesting year with the tremendous turnover at quarterback uh, in the SEC for the usual contenders around the country. So I, I think for the teams right now that are in contention, they have found their way at the perfect time. Hey, Jeff, it's Hayes Carline. It's great to talk with you again. Yeah, Carson is, is really played fantastic in the second half of the season. He's been steady all year, but he seems really ready for this moment. Uh, do you expect him to play well, and if he does and gets a win, do you expect to see him in New York uh, as one of the Heisman finalists? Uh, well, I, I think that's one of the things that Kirby has instilled at Georgia. Rankings and individual awards really don't matter. All Carson is concerned about with is, is getting that win. And if that meant we had to go out and run the wishbone, if he threw zero passes, that's just fine. That's the kind of kid he is. I know you guys have known him. I know, Frank, you've known his family for a long, long time. And you know, Just coming into this season, uh, Georgia's two biggest question marks for quarterback and kicker. Uh, Carson Beck and Tate Woodring have done great. And I think that's another kind of side plot to this with the careers that Nick Saban and Kirby Smart have had. For them to come into this game with a combined 23-1 and record with new quarterbacks, I think it speaks to the fact that, that these two legendary head coaches uh, are, are both doing amongst their best jobs in an individual season ever. Jeff Tanzer with us from the Georgia Radio Network, part of the Woolsey Morecambe National College Football Report. Jeff, what do you think of Alabama? You, we, we, we all watch all the SEC games. We don't see them as close as we see the teams, the, our teams, I suppose. But what do you think of this Alabama group? Uh, typically tremendous talented team and and that's the thing they don't have any weaknesses it's just there might be a position or two where they're not as good but where Alabama's not as good they're a minus instead of a plus and I I think for all of the great defensive backs they've had this might be the best secondary they've had 
and Frank, uh, you and I can, can relate to this. I see Dallas Turner. I think he's the, the top havoc reaper in the league. He kind of played the call bank through Will Anderson's Lawrence Taylor the last two years, and yeah. he is the lead guy now. And uh, just being aware of where he is, uh, the offensive line, of course, great. The receivers, big time. The, the running backs, outstanding. And with Melrose, uh, they have figured out how to utilize him, and he is one of the most dynamic, explosive players in the league. I mean, Frank, you know me, my friend. You know I'm a tailback lover. And this guy, when he's in the open field, he looks like those great tailbacks from the 80s and the 90s, does it? And he can throw yeah. it. He really does. Yeah, his acceleration is incredible. So how do you expect Georgia to go about trying to defend Milrow? Well, I think it's one of those deals with him. You, you kind of have to say he's going to get his. I'll use a, a basketball comparison. You know, if you're playing the Bulls, like, look, let's, if MJ goes for 28, that's fine. We just don't need him to go for, like, 55. So I, I think with Milrow, he's going to get his. You just have to try and avoid the big play. And where you see, and you guys see this a lot, I think Patrick Mahomes has been the master of taking advantage of teams overrushing him. And when that defensive line gets past the quarterback, stepping up and being able to run or throw because they're not going to grab you from behind. So I think not overrushing him and not cheating on the end. I mean, guys, how many times do you see it at third and five, that end pinches in. Next thing you know, the QB loops around and goes out of bounds a step ahead of the chains, and it just takes all the wind out of your sails. So you know, letting Milrow kind of – he's going to do his thing, but you have to keep containment and you have to keep – I'm promise I'm not trying to sound like one of the talking heads on ESPN, but you have to have that gas integrity and not over-pursue. And if that means maybe you don't get a big play on defense, but you only give up four yards instead of 11 yards on the play, that's very important. Now, at the same time, this is a defensive line coach and a defensive coordinator trying to tell defensive linemen who are, are kind of like, you know, a, a Tyrannosaurus Rex, throw it up, carnivore, eat, eat, eat for defensive linemen. It's sack, sack, sack. And, and I, I saw teams play Tim Tebow that way and just get burned by it for four years in a row. So you, you, just, you almost have to play a zone up front, and that can be counterintuitive to defensive linemen. But doing that effectively is very important. Jeff, I think one of the most interesting things to me in this game, and Hayes and I talked about this earlier in the program, that there's always a team to beat. And Alabama is never not the team to beat, but they're not in this game. You know what I mean? They're, they're never – There's every game we watch, particularly college football, there's, I mean every game that's played, not just a favorite, but a team to beat, and in a season the team to beat – I wonder how Alabama responds to that. I mean, they're, they're a clear underdog in this game. It may not be a lot of points, but they're, they're clearly not the team to beat. It just feels strange, doesn't it? You, you know what I mean? It just feels strange that somebody other than Alabama is a very clear team to beat in this game. Well, and I can just hear Nick Saban right now with a yeah. polish in the national championship ring. He's won, <laughs> of all his accomplishments, he's won eight straight SEC championship games. Wow. Let that marinate wow. for a second. And I wow. can hear him now. Nobody's giving us a chance. Yeah. Poor yeah. little Alabama. Everybody <laughs> thinks we're going to When that guy gets to play the underdog role, it's absolutely nauseating. Yeah. And yeah. he is going to play it up, and he's going to talk about the rap poison and all this. But I'll promise you this. 
I'm sure Kirby's doing the exact same thing in the Georgia locker. Nobody's giving us a chance here against Alabama. So uh, this this is these two guys. And we know with any coach, you're always looking for any kind of edge that you can get. And I, I, I do think if both teams play their best, I think Georgia is a little bit better. But there's turnover. There's the kicking game. And, guys, you know in this game, I don't care how good a defense you play, points are going to be scored. It's a fast track. It's a great place to pick. It's a great place. You know, how many knots have we seen through the years, the non-offensive touchdowns, whether it's in Mercedes-Benz or the Georgia Dome? There just tend to be a lot of big plays in this game. So I think the big picture is being able to counter punch. Because you know with both of these teams, you know, I highly doubt this thing's going to be 31 nothing. You're going to get popped. It, it, it's how you're able to hit back. I think it's going to be the big key. Jeff, I think Georgia's going to win, so forgive me for this question. But if Alabama wins a close game, what is the Georgia perspective on how they would fit into the four-team playoff, and should they be in over a possible undefeated Florida State team? Now, that, that's the conjecture, isn't it? Because for the first time we've arrived at this point, with four undefeated from the four major conferences and to have eight teams either undefeated or with one loss. It's a crowded room. And I heard Reese Davis and the crew talk about how nobody has ever gone from lower to six into the top four. Now, could Georgia fall out of that first spot, out of it? If if Alabama won and other teams, but here's something I said. I've actually got a friend who's on the committee. So trust me, I've been politicking. But (laughs) these two programs, these two programs who have combined for the last three national championships out of a league that has won 13 of the last 17 national championships with five different schools, mind you, they come in with a combined record of 23-1 and one, with the only loss being to the Texas Longhorns. If you mean to tell me that there's a scenario where the SEC doesn't get a team in, that's, that, that's a hard sell to me. That is, a, if, if you're really trying to get, and, and I get the deserving, and I'm not saying other teams don't deserve to be in, but if you're talking about getting the best teams in there, I'll put it to you like this. If Oregon wins tonight, and Bo Nick, just like Johnny Carson and Karnak, could secretly <laughs> say, here are the two teams I don't want to play. Come on, guys. Who, who are the two teams? Right, right, right. Well, here's what's funny about that, honestly. If Alabama wins, Alabama's in, okay? Georgia, if Georgia wins, Georgia's obviously in. The question comes, and, we, and, and Jeff Hayes and I had this conversation. We've done it two or three times in today's program. If Georgia, if Alabama wins 47-46 in three overtimes and the only blemish on Georgia's record is that they still might be the best team in America. In fact, I think they will be. But, bro, I think they might not be in. I, and, and that's why – and by the way, that would underscore why we needed to go to 12, which we're going to next year. But but I think that – I mean, that if Georgia lost the football game – and I think Georgia's going to win too. I think Georgia's the best team in the country. But they could lose. It's Alabama. If sure. Jeff, if Georgia loses the game, I think they're out. And I think, my goodness, has there ever been a better case for the 12 that we're going to? You, you with me on that? I mean, that's where I think it's going to go. Well, you know, it would be sit there being a say like, well, I'm just saying from a lifelong George, well, we've won it back-to-back in right. 45 of our last 47, and uh, we're, we're not in. 
I mean, that yeah. that would be a, a tough, tough pill to swallow. And, and there is a lot. I think in many ways, I try and tell myself, I'm so thankful and was so blessed that George was what the dogs have done here with service money, that you do feel like you're playing with some house money. But at the same time, and, and Frank, I think you could probably relate for Florida fans, maybe going back to 2009, they have yeah. won two out of three, and they have, and the two best teams that year were Alabama and Florida. No and, question. But it's it's one of those things. Even though you've done it, you've won it. You never know when you're going to get that chance again, especially with this thing expanding. And if you have a shot to win, and you feel like you've got a team that's at the very least one of the very best, you really want to cash in because there's not. That like the way I look at it, like if we don't win it this year, Georgia, there's not a 2019 LSU, a 2008 Florida, a 2020 Alabama sitting there. I, I think you feel like, and like you said, if Georgia sends up short Alabama and, and doesn't get in, so like, well, good gosh. And I think some lines have already come out, some hypothetical lines. Georgia would have been favored in every game against yeah. every other team that could possibly make. Yeah, prohibitive favorite in some of those games. For favorite, so you're yeah. exactly right. Jeff, it's going to be a fun one, my man. I know you're going to enjoy it. Uh, You've waited a long time for a run like this. Uh, Three in a row, I think, is where you're headed. Uh, Great, great, great run for the Georgia Bulldogs. Jeff Dansler does such a great job uh, from the Bulldog Radio Network, one of my dear friends in the business. Jeff, thanks for spending some time, man. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the ball game. Thanks, Frank. Y'all the best. Looking forward to listening to you on Monday Night Football. I appreciate it, buddy. (laughs) Take care, man. Jeff Dansler talking Georgia football. My goodness, what a fun game that's going to be. I mean, I am, again... Again, it's the most excited I've been to watch a college football game that didn't involve the Gators. I used to, you know, I'm trying to think of the games I used to get really excited about that didn't involve my team. FSU-Miami. Sure. Yeah. That, that was the one. FSU, FSU, if you take the most excited I've been to watch college football games that did not involve my team, FSU-Miami probably finishes one through five. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, mean I, I can't think of anything over the years that has competed with FSU-Miami. Again, take the Gators out. That's my team. Right, yeah. Take your team out. I can't think of anything that's – I mean, Ohio State-Michigan was fun last week. There have been some good SEC championship games where the Gators weren't in, but none like this one because I, it's just something about this one, I think. I, I agree. I mean, what Georgia and Alabama, what it's become over the last five years is – I mean, you think of some of the finishes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just incredible finishes. Alabama winning the national title on a walk-off uh, to a touchdown pass to uh, the Slim Reaper and – I mean, and then obviously Georgia winning their first title over Bama. I mean, the rivalry. I mean, what a great stat. Nick Saban 8-0 in his last eight SEC title games because the year that Georgia beat them for the title, for the national title, Alabama had won the SEC matchup against Georgia. So, oh, it's going to be fantastic. And, you know, it always gets you excited about the draft. And we're going to see. I mean, two basic NFL teams going against each other on Saturday. That's yeah. always a lot of fun. Yeah, my friend Ron Compton just uh, said FSU Notre Dame 93, the game of the century. That I was at that one. Yeah. But that one definitely qualifies Florida State Notre Dame in 1993. I will take a break. When we come back, uh, one last visit with Jimmy Himes talking SEC football. We'll wrap up the SEC season after this on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Time now for Jimmy Himes. Talking SEC football brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. 
All right, one last time this uh, season, let's say hello to our friend uh, Jimmy Hive, talking SEC football from the Sports Animal in Knoxville, Tennessee. Jimmy, how you doing, man? Frank, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? We are doing fine. So much SEC to talk about, and we will we will end it by getting into the Georgia-Alabama game. Great, great championship matchup, as often there is. But let's talk about all kind of other issues uh, that are going on uh, in the league and have been since we last visited. Let's start with Mississippi State. Are you surprised they pulled the plug on Zach Arnett less than one year in, and did they get the right guy, in your opinion, in Jeff Levy? I'm not real surprised. I'm reminded of what happened uh, years ago when Vanderbilt hired a guy to replace Bobby Johnson, Rex Caldwell. He yeah. bombed out. They knew he was not a good fit, and they made the change. Zach Arnett was not a good fit, and I know he didn't have much time, but he, he made a bad decision in getting away from the air raid that suited his personnel. So that wasn't very smart on his part. So I think they realized, go ahead and cut your losses. I think they get the right hire. I think in a place like Mississippi State, you got to find somebody that's an offensive-minded guy that can score some points. And guess who had success there doing that was Dan Mullen. He was the offensive coordinator at Florida. They hired him at State, uh, probably one of the best coaches Mississippi State's ever had. Now they've got another really good offensive mind. I think it was a good hire. All right, let's go around the league a little bit. Um, Texas A&M uh, hired Mike Elko uh, after running off Jimbo. None of us are surprised Jimbo got run off. That thing was doomed uh, b- from the beginning of the season on. Um, are you surprised by Mike Elko? Obviously, they wanted Mark Stoops. The AD did. Uh, the, the, the fans shot it down just like the Tennessee fans did once with Greg Schiano. What did you make of that whole scenario, and did they wind up with the right guy? Um, I uh, was surprised that they put their eggs in Stoops' basket. Look, I think Stoops has done a, done a good job at Kentucky, but I think his offense is one thing that's kind of held him back from even more, being more successful. And so I, I think he'd have gone to A&M. They, were good. they would have still struggled with their offensive performance, their offensive identity. Um, and so um, I, I didn't think that would be a good hire. Now, am I surprised he ended up with Elko? Yes. If I had my way, I'd have hired uh, Kalen DeBoer out of Washington. I think he's a terrific coach. He's done a great job there. He would score a lot of points because he's a terrific offensive mind and developer of quarterbacks. Uh, will Elko succeed? I, I have my doubts. Although, what he did at Duke was outstanding, and he was at A&M. Here, here's his key, Frank. He's got to hire a really good offensive coordinator. If he can do that, there's no reason A&M shouldn't be a consistent a nine- or ten-game winner in the SEC. Speaking of offensive coordinators, Arkansas hired Bob Petrino. What did yeah. you make of that hire? How surprised were you? Well, I was uh, very surprised uh, considering the way he departed Arkansas and the motorcycle incident and the affair he had with the young lady there. Uh, I didn't see that coming, but it's been, what, at least ten years, I guess. Uh, I think he's still a very good offensive mind. He did not work wonders at A&M, but his quarterback got hurt. Uh, so I think Petrino's a real good offensive mind. I kind of expect him to have some success at Arkansas, but I don't know who his quarterback's going to be, and I don't think they've got real good skill people. I, I think we're hurt in this past year with injuries at running back, injury to K.J. Jefferson, and then they don't have re- any receiver that scares you. They've got to do a better job recruiting, but I think – I think if Petrina, who I think has matured in the last decade, I think he can do a good job scoring some points there. Tennessee finished eight and four and four and four. There's nothing wrong with an eight and four record. 
but it did not seem like a good year for me for Tennessee. You yeah. tell me because you're closer to it. They lost to Florida, which nobody expected. Missouri absolutely hammered them. They were really never in the Alabama-Georgia games. What kind of a year was it for Tennessee, and, and why did it go the way it did? It was a little bit disappointing. Uh, there were four 50-50 games on my table, and one was Florida because Tennessee hadn't beaten Florida down there in 20 years. Right. Uh, but the way they got whipped by Florida, the way they got whipped by Missouri, that was disappointing to the fans. They at least expected them to be competitive in those games, and they weren't really. So I think there was disappointment there. The offense went from averaging 46 points to about 32. That was disappointing as well. Look, Joe Milton's a talented quarterback who doesn't fit this system. He just doesn't. He's not a quick decision maker. He's not a real accurate passer. And he's not a very good runner in the zone read. So uh, I think the offense will probably be better next year when they got a quarterback that can run it. But it was it was a bit disappointing going from 11 wins to 8. Uh, having said that, if you look at Tennessee's history, they've basically been an 8-4 program uh, throughout right. their history. But, but the fact that you were – you won 11 and draw back to 8, and your offense wasn't nearly as good. Uh, that was a bit disappointing for the fan base. What did you make of both Florida and South Carolina's 5-7, and 3-5 and five seasons? 5-7 five and seven overall, 3-5 and five in the league. Is that about where you thought both would be? Better, worse? What do you think? When I looked at Florida's schedule, I went game by game. I had Florida 5-7. and seven. Now, yeah. one of their losses was going to be to Tennessee, and they won that game, but then they lost another game I didn't think. They were right about what I thought they would be. I thought South Carolina would be a little bit better with Spencer Rattler. That surprised me. The way they finished the season with big wins over Tennessee, a big win over Clemson, and they scored, I think, 35 or so in a bowl game against Notre Dame, I thought they would be better on offense. Their offensive line was horrendous. Uh, and they had some good skill people. Mario Anderson was a good running back. Uh, Leggett, a good receiver. They did have an injury to one of their best receivers, so I give them that. I, I was more surprised that South Carolina only won five than Florida. Same question for LSU: nine and three, six and two in the league. Nine and three is never a bad year. Did LSU play about the way you thought they would? Uh, about would be correct. There were one game, probably one game worse. Uh, I, I was surprised their offense was as good as it was because I thought Jaden Daniels was brilliant. And their defense was a lot worse than I thought it would be. So they got there a little bit, uh, a little bit differently than I anticipated. Uh, but I-, I thought they would be a 10-game winner, so I missed it by one. Uh, I thought they'd be Florida State, for example. That was one game that I missed. But um, I thought Daniels was terrific. Their defense wasn't very good. Uh, and I don't understand that because they have talent on defense. I don't know if that was a coordinator issue or what. But they, uh, they were too talented on defense to be that bad. Final team, and then we'll get to the game. Auburn is 6-6. Six and six. I'm telling you, they looked like they were on their way. I think Hugh Freeze is a really good coach. I've always thought that. All of a sudden, they lose to New Mexico State and then almost save their season until Alabama makes an inexplicable play at the end of the game. Where do you think Auburn is headed under Hugh Freeze? I think they're going in the right direction. Um, I don't know... I think if you freeze and Lane Kiffin in a similar vein, very good offensive mind. I don't know if Freeze can do at Auburn what Kiffin has done at Ole Miss so far, and here's why. Because I don't think they're as good as Oklahoma or Texas. And with those two coming into the league, I think it's going to be harder for Hugh Freeze to win at the level that Kiffin had. No, by the way, it's going to be harder for Ole Miss to win 10 games again. 
with those two teams coming in. So, uh, and by the way, was that not the dumbest defensive uh, yes. uh, alignment two. they had against Alabama? You rush two and drop a guy in, in a, 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 a situation. Look, the Milrose is not going to run 31 yards for touchdowns. So why do you have a spy on him? I totally I just, agree. Well, I thought that was stupid. But anyway, they blew a chance. It would have saved their year. Uh, but uh, but I think Freeze is a good coach. I think Auburn will have success under him. But if Auburn fans are thinking they're going to win 9-10 and 10 under Freeze, I don't see that happening. I always ask you a player of the year and then a coach of the year. The player of the year is obviously Jaden Daniels. I think we could all agree yeah. with that without discussing it much. Who's the coach of the year in the SEC, in your mind? Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri. What he did, he's top 10 in the country, uh, 10 wins, blowing out Tennessee. Uh, he actually had LSU on the ropes until LSU scored a late touchdown. I thought he did a great job at Missouri. I'll say this. I was making fun of Missouri when they gave Drinkwitz that extension and a raise last year when they had a losing record. I guess they knew something I didn't. Now, I'll say this. Uh, I give Kirby Smart a lot of credit. Because even though you're expected to do something, to do it three years in a row, to become the first SEC team ever to go 8 no three years in a row, to win, what, is it 29 in a row they've won? That's that, right. That's, I give him a lot of credit for that. But I still I go Drinkwitz as my coach of the year and Kirby Smart the runner-up. Yeah, certainly two great choices. All right, let's get to the ball game. Georgia, all those wins in a row. Alabama only lost once to Texas. Boy, that's a good game, Jimmy. That's a good matchup. Georgia's the favored team. Does Alabama get them? Do they shock the world? Or does Georgia win yet again on its way to another national title? What's going to happen tomorrow afternoon in Atlanta? Alabama shocked me two years ago when they beat Georgia in the SEC title game. And then Georgia went on to win the national championship. I would not be shocked if Alabama beats them, but I got to say, Georgia. There's an inherent pressure, whether they admit it or not, to winning this many in a row, to trying to win the SEC championship, to being ranked number one. I think there's a lot of pressure that goes with that. So far, Georgia's been able to answer the bell, and they seem to, for the most part, play better against the better opponents. Now, Alabama has really turned – Jalen Milrow is probably the most improved player in the SEC. Uh, The guy guy even got – I don't know if I should say bench, but he didn't start in one of the earlier games. And now he's come on. His completion percentage is really good. He's a terrific runner with the football. Uh, If Alabama wins, Milrow has to play great. Because I don't think Alabama is special at receiver or running back. But Milrow has made the difference there. Having said all that, I'm going to take Georgia. I think they're the most well-rounded team. I think they're better at running back. I think they're better at receiver. Uh, and Brock Bowers is back. So I'm going to take Georgia, but I think it's going to be a 30-27 to 27 type ball game. I think Georgia wins, too, and I think they move on. But final question for you. If they don't, Jimmy, if FSU beats Louisville, if, and I think, I, think they're going to, I think they're going to beat Louisville. If FSU beats Louisville, Michigan's going to beat Iowa. Assuming the Washington-Oregon winners in no matter what, they will be the Pac-12 champion, the last one, and it's a good league this year. If Alabama beats Georgia, are the Bulldogs out despite having that great season? <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I know that the committee has been very conscious of head-to-head, head-to-head uh, game uh, outcomes. So if they are, then you got to take Alabama over Georgia. But if you do that, don't you have to take Texas over Alabama? 
Great question. So, Great question. I mean, there's a chance. Here, here's the way they could. I don't know how they're going to resolve this. Um, you could have two teams in the SEC uh, in the college football playoffs, depending on what everybody else does, or you could have none. It's hard for me to imagine a team that wins the SEC not going. So I, I don't know. It's like if I had to predict, I was. I'm going to say they'll take Alabama over Georgia and Texas because Alabama will have more quality wins than Texas. And you know that the Longhorn fans are going to be up in arms about that, and they'll have a reason to be. But that's my prediction. They'll take Alabama. That's what I think would happen if the game played out that way. Jimmy Himes, great work as always. Yet another fantastic season of doing this. 31 of these we've done together. Jimmy, great work as always, man. Great to hear from him. Have a great holiday season. You too, Frank. I appreciate you having me. Thank you very All right. much. Jimmy Himes from the Sports Animal in Knoxville, Tennessee. Nobody talks SEC football better than my man Jimmy. Hayes and I will return after this from Isla Wing Company. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Back to more of a Big Chief Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. Big Chief Tire. Frank Frangie Hayes, Carline with you on this Big Chief Tire Friday. Let's head to Charlotte. Now, it's been a busy day today, but our friend Tom Block has checked in from the Seminole Radio Network. Uh, FSU in Louisville tomorrow as the Knowles try to go 13-0 and and win the ACC championship. Tom, how you doing, man? I'm good, Frank. How are you? We, we are doing great. Obviously, the story that everybody's talking about is will Tate Rodemaker be able to play? Will Brock Glenn have to play because of Tate's concussion late in the Florida game? Can you give us any update? And if not an update, what's your gut on it? Yeah, I don't even know. I can't give you an update beyond what Norvell said earlier today, you know, that game time decision. Right. I don't even know that gut comes into it because I don't think this this isn't a question of they're going to look at him and say, yeah, I think he can go. Uh, I mean, I'm not 100% sure the way the protocol works, but I assume there's some sort of a test involved. And depending on how he fares on that, I'm just guessing on this. He's probably been testing every day this week. And if he clears that, then he'd be medically cleared. And in that scenario, they would make the decision to play him. But I, it's not going to be like a coin flip, let's play him or don't play him. I think it's going to come down to whether he's technically cleared or, or completely cleared, you know. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. And, and regardless of who plays quarterback, I think Trey Benson is the key to the game for FSU. Certainly ran it great in Gainesville. Uh, what kind of game does Trey Benson need to have for the Knowles to capture this ACC championship? Yeah, well, I think he is key. And Trey, to me, is the guy, and you saw it last week, he you know, he, he gets better as the game goes on. you got to feed him, and he's got to get 15, 20 carries because there's going to be several that are going to be one or two yards. But if he can get to the second level, uh, I mean, he's just – nobody wants to get in front of him. He's, he's, uh, I think he clocked the fastest time of any college football player this year on some of his long runs. But he runs much more powerful than you would think. I mean, you guys have seen from that. He sheds tackle. I think he's very key if they can get him to the second level. The thing is, regardless of whether it's Tate or if it's Brock, I mean, Louisville is going to be crowding the line of scrimmage and saying, you got to beat us throwing the ball. And so at some point, whoever it is, they're going to have to complete some passes to back some guys out of the box. Uh, and that'll be the interesting part of this equation. But Benson's been great to watch. He's had two really good years in a row for FSU. Tom, we were, Hayes and I were talking about this earlier today. It's, it's football's a quirky sport in this regard. All sports are like this to a point, but football is so quarterback-centric. So quarterback. And maybe may more than it's ever been, although it's always been. Um, 
and every team is one football, one injury away from everything getting shattered. And FSU's the team that had it happen to them. Now, listen, FSU's still undefeated, might win tomorrow, might go right through the playoff. But it's devastating when you're having that great of a year on so many fronts and your quarterback gets hurt. What's the mindset of that team? You're around them a lot. It's got to be hard. Yet I really think Norvell's built a really good culture there. From the outside looking in, that's what it seems, that seems to be the case. What is the mindset of this team uh, trying to bounce back after losing their clear on-field leader? Yeah, I think the mindset is next man up. And, you know, they all love Jordan, but this team has such resolve. I've talked about it on your show a lot. It's probably their yeah. greatest characteristic. And even last week you saw they, did, they have not played, a, you know, a full four quarters really all year. Last week they're down 12-zip, but the rest of the way it's 24-3, and I, I've talked about it. They've had those kind of stretches in every game. They just have an unbelievable trust and belief in one another, and I think that'll be true regardless whether it's, it's Tate or Brock tomorrow. Um, as to, you know, I guess from my – I don't think there's, there's any time or any thought from them about, you know, this is really bad luck. That's, that's the stuff that media and fans are thinking about. But to that end, I will say I was, I was processing this. You know, Florida State was very careful to net, not let George run very much this year. He ran it one time against North Alabama and breaks his leg. And if I'm not mistaken, the only time Tate ran the ball last week against Florida, not counting a sack, which was, goes into the rush attempt, he gets dinged. So, I mean, it's really the last two quarterback runs they've lost a quarterback to injury, potentially, if Tate doesn't play. So, I mean, because FSU is not a team that is – you know, Jordan has picked his spot. This has never been an offense where the quarterback is carrying it 18 times a game. Uh, and yet it still came back to bite him. But, you know, that, that is, it is quirky. That's a good word for it. And I think this team will fight. I mean, I, I've seen them all year, Frank, and they just fight and believe in one another. And, uh, you know, and the other thing that's going to factor into this game, Florida State has been one of the tops in the country in turnover margin and just not turning over the football. And whether it's Tate or Brock, you worry about that. Louisville's had a propensity to be a little more loose with the ball, but the forecast here is for a lot of rain tomorrow, and so you just wonder how that's going to show up in this thing too, especially with backup quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, what concerns you, what concerns the FSU coaches about Louisville? What stands out about what makes the Cardinals so good? Well, I think Jeff Rahm's a really good offensive mind. I think both these coaches are really good offensive minds, in fact, and uh, you know, Louisville, I, I think the teams are they are sort of mirror teams in a lot of ways in that they, uh, even the Louisville running game, it's a little similar with their star in that uh, he can take it 70, 80 yards just like Trey Benson, you know, so you got to keep feeding them. I, I think the thing, that's where Florida State, if you're asking what concerns me the most, they, they've got to stop the run and force Louisville to pass. It, it sounds obvious, but they've got to get Louisville to pass him down, obvious passing down and then let their two ends eat like they did in the fourth quarter last week's camp game. So, I mean, that's, that's where FSU's got to win this defensively. Maybe get some turnovers in the process, because like I said, they've, they've put a few on the ground, and uh, there's been a few picks there. Tom Block checking in from Charlotte. Final thing here, Tom. This is, uh, if they win, if they win this game, they're in the playoff. You've covered them all, man. Tom's almost as old. as He's not as old as me, Hayes, but he's almost as old as me. Um, where does this rank? I mean, it's not 13 when they won them all and won the whole thing. It's probably not, you know, it's not, it doesn't rank with the national championship seasons yet. But the way they, what you talked about, their resolve, the way the season's gone, the fight they've, it's hard to go freaking 12-0. and 0. I don't care what. This has got to rank up there with the fun seasons you've had at FSU, doesn't it? 
It, it really does. And, uh, you know, what I'm about to say, this is nothing against any of the other teams. This is a really likable team, too. And Norvell is, uh, you know, one of the things, part of the reason Norvell is so successful, it has to do with accountability. Not just that he holds the players accountable, but he holds himself accountable. And so that's, that's leading from the top. Uh, and he leads with gratitude, too, which if you dive into that, if you watch his press conference, even whether it was today or after the game tomorrow, he'll talk about how lucky he is to coach this team and how much he loves coaching this team. And you see that. That's just, just This team is polite. They're fun to be around. They pull for one another. I mean, I don't know if you're asking me to rank them if I could do that. No. But, yeah, no. the, sh- the short answer is yes. This has been a really fun ride. And it's not just 12-0 this year. I mean, they've won 18 in a row, and this was a team a couple years ago that was 0-4. So where we stand right now, it's almost unfathomable that the turn has come that quick. That's a great but No, I was asking you exactly the way you answered it. And, and, and by the way, it's hard to win 18 straight games in college football. That is a great. It just seems, and I told Hayes this earlier, it just seems like because of all the Harbaugh stuff in Michigan, Ohio State, and all the acclaim the SEC gets, which it deserves, and how good Georgia is, for whatever weird reason, the 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 nation hasn't noticed FSU just won twelve straight games. It's a weird it's a weird damn thing to me, Tom. And you know, I just it just it feels that way. But it's been a special year for the Knowles, and we'll see if they can win one more. But uh, Tom, great work as always. Enjoy your time in Charlotte, man. Good luck to the okay, Knowles. We thanks. appreciate it, buddy. All right, happy holidays to you guys. Same to you, Tom Block checking in uh, from Charlotte. He'll be uh, on the broadcast uh, with Jeff Colhane and all the folks uh, with the Seminole Radio Network. But doesn't it seem that way? It just seems like somehow FSU. I mean. 12-0, it's hard. No you doubt know, about 12-0, it. 12-0, and, yeah, and, I mean, and they, it just seems like there's no one talking about the 12-0. and 0. Yeah, and again, I think that goes back to the fact that no, through no fault of their own, right? other than the, the LSU game was a statement game. The whole nation watched it. And they pounded them. And they pounded them. So massive statement right out of the gate. But other than that, the final 11, I agree. there just really weren't games where, you know, Clemson was really struggling. It yeah. was a noon kick. I. Uh, you know, it, it, Florida's terrible. Like and Miami just okay. is, is you, you hit it. It's not FSU's fault, but Clemson, FSU, Clemson, Florida, Miami were just okay. And right. it's not their fault. It's a, you don't blame FSU for Clemson, FSU, Clemson, Florida, Miami, three name programs not being very good, but they weren't. And that's probably you answered it. That's probably why. And uh, so, so we'll see. All right. Well, they play Louisville tomorrow night. That game is at the 8 o'clock. It's been fast and furious here at the Island Wing Company. Yeah, it's starting to pick up. Yeah, it is. Packed in here. One segment to go. We'll have it for you after this. Stay with us. Back to more of a Big Chief Tire Friday on the Frangie Show. Big Chief Tire. All right, one segment to go here in the program before we do any further damage. I'll bet RJ's got a little bit of an injury report for us. We get closer and closer to game night on Monday night. RJ. The personal injury attorneys of Farah and Farah present this injury update. Farah and Farah. Jacksonville. Exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We will start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. For Jacksonville, they head into Monday night relatively healthy. Cornerback Tyson Campbell, running back Travis Etienne, tight end Luke Farrell, as well as Brenton Strange were all listed as limited. And according to reports, are good to go. They were the only players on the report for the Bengals. Chidobi Awuzie 
was back in the pra- back on the practice field. He was listed as a full participant. According to reports, he should be good to go for Monday night. Trey Hendrickson was also back to a full participant after a rest day on Thursday. T. Higgins was finally a full participant and is looking likely to play in Week 13. Cam Taylor Britt was again limited, dealing with a quad and ankle injury. Tight ends Tanner Hudson and Drew Sample were again full participants, as well as Logan Wilson for the Cincinnati Bengals. Barring any setbacks, reports say that all three should play on Monday night. Jay Tufele did not practice uh, as he was dealing with an illness. Uh, Deontay Smith and linebacker Akeem Davis Gather were both limited again on Friday. That is your fair and fair injury update. All right, RJ, nice job. Well done there. Um, all right, a couple things. Monday night, going to be crazy, loud. I can't wait. The blackout, they're wearing all black uniforms, black end zones. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a party. Light show. Light show, party. Sean Kingston will be the halftime entertainment. He was supposed to play at the beach, by the way, doing the Surfer Girl thing, and it got rained out, so Sean Kingston fans will be able to see him. He is at halftime of the game, uh, but it's going to be a fun game. Jags and Bengals, I can't wait. Uh, man, it's going to be a lot of fun. We will not have a frangie show on Monday, but you and me will have the uh, pregame right at 3 o'clock, our typical time. Um, tomorrow, the last SEC on CBS game. Hard to believe. The last one. Yeah. Can you believe it? Really is hard I to mean, believe. It, I mean, it, it, I'm, we'll all, if someone says they're not going to miss that, they're lying. I, I don't know that I've ever been as connected to a TV network for – how yeah. sports was, yeah. were broadcast. Right. Like I have been the SEC on CBS. CBS. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think there's anything else in my lifetime yeah. that I've remotely, like if CBS stopped covering the Masters, right. it'd be a little weird. Yeah. But yeah. I think I could yeah. get around it. Yeah, you it'd know? be weird, but it would be, yeah, yeah I get like it. Like this, is, it. Yeah. this yeah. is so, so strange to me. Yeah, just but, uh, it's wrong is what it is. It it's is not wrong. strange, it's wrong. It's it strange, strange and wrong. Yeah. <laughs> How was the uh, Matashi? How was the clinic today? Yeah, we had a great clinic. Thank you for asking. We had 190 kids there, CSS kids from Bayview, third graders from San Jose Elementary, and it was a really good group. It was a it was a fan one of the best clinics we've had, and uh, I mean it was packed now, 190 kids, but it was a great clinic, great walk off clinic, one of the uh, the eight or nine best days of the year. Those walk off clinics and seeing how excited those children are, and they were great. The, the teachers too. Uh, really went out of their way. It was a great group of teachers, great group of students, so we had a wonderful time. So thanks for asking. It was fantastic. Sure. Um, DJ Uyunglele, possibly to FSU. What do you make of that? I, I mean, it makes sense. They're going to have to have, I think, a, a portal addition uh, to feel really good about staying at the level that they're at, which is obviously they're very good to elite. And so, yeah, I think it makes sense for, I don't know about, you know, Uwe Angelale, if he's the right guy, yeah. but uh, but certainly he's played a lot, and you know, it, I think he'd be better under Mike Norvell than than Dabo Swinney in terms of the offense. He's a great athlete, so I think it makes I think it makes sense. But I, uh, you know, if if I was FSU, I mean, I might even be looking a little yeah. with a little loftier goal in terms of uh, you know adding at that position, whether that's you know a Pratt if if he enters the portal. Cam Ward is in the portal, who Bruce Feldman wrote a really interesting article today, kind of anonymously quoting some uh, uh, Power 5 general managers who all said Cam Ward's the only one that's worth the money, the millions. Uh, You know, so do you try and get in on that? Uh, And FSU's an attractive landing spot. 
I mean, I mean it is yeah. now. The the question that the I think the portal quarterback will have to have answered is what do you have coming back? Because because in all likelihood, the, everyone's the, leaving. The name receivers are right. Out. Yeah, and, the, and the tight end and the two receivers. And are that's out. the thing. Like he hasn't had the time yeah. to build it like Georgia and Alabama have. Where well, right. yeah, we're losing twenty five players. They're have, really good. We have another twenty, but we got another. Yeah, yeah, and so um, so I, I think it's. FSU in the off season, and I know we're, you know Florida State may go on to win the whole thing. They may have th- three more right, huge right. games ahead of them, but they really will be fascinating to see this off season how they combat not letting this be one year like Tennessee, like where you're really up, yeah, and then you kind of come back to the pack the the year after. Uh, how does he go about avoiding that next year? No, you're exactly you're 100 percent right. We'll see what winds up happening there. Um, uh, again, Florida has lost a handful of guys in, in the portal. Um, again, all the smoke has been around Trevor Etienne. No word, no indication that he's doing anything. Now, he may, yeah. but, but certainly as we sit here today. It feels like the word around the campfire is it looks pretty bleak for Florida to hold him. Yeah. Uh, but you probably won't know anything until middle of next week in terms of definitive. But I'd say that's looking like a long shot for Florida to retain to retain uh, Trevor Etienne. Yeah, apparently, apparently he met with Napier on Tuesday is the word, and then Mertz immediately announced he was coming back. i got to believe that was at the behest of, if you're coming back, tell everybody. And apparently Mertz is now trying to recruit Etienne to stay. The other part of this interesting is Montreal Johnson isn't out yet. You right. know, and I, and I, so if you're a Gator fan, you're thinking, well, if Montreal Johnson leaving means Etienne stays, you want him to leave. But if ETN's leaving anyway, you want him not to leave. It'll be interesting. To, that that that's an, and I think he's probably going to be in the draft. But I don't think he's tra- I don't think he's going to go in the portal. Yeah. But I think he's probably going to be in the draft. But it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, it seems like the uh, the buzz right now is that Montrell Johnson probably ends up staying at Florida, and uh, and playing next year, and ETN moves on. So I thought they would lose them both. Yeah. I, is I th- that the word that Montreal is going to stay? The the word is Montreal Johnson probably stays at Florida. Interesting. And ETN uh, hits the portal and, and goes to a, See, a different. Sport. I would have expected Montreal Johnson in the draft. That's what I would have thought. Because again, there's o- there's only so much tread on the tires right. on a running back, which is why I'm a little surprised. I would think if I'm his advisor, that maybe you've done enough now. To, uh, I mean, again, you don't want to wear it down in college. Well, that's the thing. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I just, I, it, it, I, you know, it, it's puzzling to me. And, and we'll see. He certainly has time to, you know, consider yeah. all of his options. Yeah. But it, but, it seems like the vibe is Montrell probably back, ETN probably transferring. Yeah. So we'll continue to track that. But it's been a, what a weekend we've got Alabama, Georgia. Uh, by the way, my prediction is Georgia will win. FSU will win. Um and they will both be in the playoff. Michigan's going to beat Iowa. I don't think there's much doubt about that. I think Oregon wins tonight, and I think that's the final team in, although I'm not convinced of it. But we, Jimmy Himes made a really interesting point, Hayes. The, uh, I mean, a very interesting point. And that is, if Alabama beats Georgia, Alabama's got to go in ahead of them. They won the league. But do they go in ahead of Texas, who beat them and has the same record? And it's probably going to win also this weekend. Yeah, and, and again, this is where it gets really interesting on who is championing Texas's cause. 
you know, does the Big 12 really even care right, at this point. point? So we'll see. RJ, let's do some takeaways. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. My takeaway is I think the Jaguars are going to go up and down the field on Cincinnati Monday night. As you break down the matchups and you break down the numbers, I think Trevor Lawrence throwing to Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, Evan Ingram, Zay Jones. I do not think Cincinnati is going to be able to handle that. I think the Jaguars will be able to get out to a big lead. And from there, I think they'll be able to protect that lead. I like the Jaguars by 13 points. All right. Let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. Ah, Rick, big weekend in college ball, huh? You'll be locked in. You'll be locked in that sports bar tomorrow night, I'm guessing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, this is what it's all about. It begins tonight and then a uh, bunch of really good games on Saturday. So pretty excited about it. Uh, whether or not we have an upset or two remains to be seen. Typically, these things work themselves out. So be pretty interested to see what happens here. I can't wait to see, Rick. I am. I'm, this is. Listen, I, I said... I'm I'm really excited about this weekend because there, I don't know if there's a lot of great games, but there I mean I don't think Michigan I was a particularly good game, but I but the two I care about because it's teams around here, Georgia Alabama and FSU Louisville I think will be great games to watch. So I, I I can't wait, brother. I think it's gonna be a fun college weekend. No question about yeah, it. Yeah, no we'll doubt. See. I mean Alabama Georgia, you know they've met three times here since Kirby Smart uh, went over, and uh, Bama won the first two, Georgia won the last one, so. They can even that up, and then you get all the quarterback situations that are happening right now at Florida State. It's looking more and more like it's going to be a Brock Glenn uh, game uh, tomorrow night, getting his first ever start. So the anticipation there is growing. You wrote something interesting. You tweeted something interesting, Rick. You think because he's gotten the work this week, you're almost hopefully plays only because Rodemaker couldn't work much during the week. That was interesting. That's, That's kind of where you think it may be headed. It wouldn't bother you if it went there, huh? Well, I, I mean, let's be honest here. Tate Rodemaker needed a full week of preparation. He needed a full yeah. week of practice, taking every snap with that first-team offense, and he did some individual drills. And, you know, the media is not allowed to report on um, certain things that they see, and my understanding is that 11-on-11s, it's been Brock Glenn. He's been the guy that has been in there. So if Rodemaker's been doing... You know, 20, 25, 30% of the, uh, of the snaps, um, I, I think you're better off handing it to the true freshman to see what he can do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what's coming up tonight, Rick. Uh, we we got? got all that. Uh, more reaction from the Jaguars locker room. Uh, plus, Tim Brando had to push us back yesterday. He's actually at a couple of basketball practices right now. He begins his college hoops tour starting tomorrow. But we'll have Timmy on tonight as well to take a look at championship saturday so uh looking forward to that all right rick Rick is in tonight thank you rick that'll do it for our week lauren rejoins us on tuesday when we're back in it'll be no frangie show on monday but you'll have the kickoff show with mia looking forward to a fun fun football weekend enjoy your weekend yeah you too that'll do it for our program don't go anywhere though rick blue goes into the night right now for the absent lauren brooks for hayes and rj i'm frank frangie so long